The text for our sermon this morning comes from the gospel reading when Jesus says, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. There's often nothing worse than a person who's full of empty threats. Most often, we see this exemplified by parents who allow their children to disobey their commands. Sweetheart, don't throw Legos. The Legos go flying. Darling, don't throw the Legos or you won't get to watch cartoons. Legos go everywhere. Oh, sweetheart, please don't throw the Legos. Pretty soon there are Legos in the pots on the stove. There's Legos in the fireplace, Legos on the hearth, Legos everywhere. And of course, cartoons are on the television for hours. Empty threats. Empty threats can be made by parents, but also by politicians. They draw what they call the line in the sand. Don't cross this line, they say to dictators, all the while winking and saying, just don't let anyone know. And if I can profit off this war, let me know. Empty threats are often made by those who think they can do nothing. Parents feel exhausted or maybe they just don't want their kids to dislike them. Politicians don't like confrontation because they might lose favor with their voters. They all want to be liked at the expense of justice. Or how about the other side of this? A child who is never taught how to act by their parents. But there's always a threat waiting right there. A child that's always threatened with punishment. Do your timetables or you don't get any PlayStation. But there's no teaching on how to do the timetables. The child will become despondent and figure, what's the use? Or in regard to living a God-pleasing life, a child is threatened with punishment, but the parent themselves doesn't model a God-pleasing life. The child is threatened with punishment, but the parent themselves don't follow the rules. Generally, the child will follow suit. Or a boss at work who's always threatening employees but never enforces it becomes the joke of the company. Empty threats are irritating because they lack justice. Justice is the idea that wrongdoing must be punished, and it must be punished in kind. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You do the crime, you pay the time. Empty threats make a mockery of justice. Empty threats are a mockery of God because God has established justice. He has written it in everyone's heart. 
that there should be punishment for wrong and there should be retribution for sins committed, not only against one another, but also against God. We know it in real life, even ourselves, when we get pulled over by the police officer, but the car in front of us who is going faster goes free, we get pulled over and we say, officer, that's not fair. Kids are great at pointing out injustices, the often heard cry, but that's not fair. Where's the justice? The reply often is, sorry kid, life isn't fair. And it's true. Life is not fair. That's the lament of the psalmist. Throughout the Psalms, when he sees the wicked flourish, but the faithful man suffers at the hands of the wicked. It's not fair. And even the psalmist calls out to God, God, are you not concerned with justice? It's not fair. God answers back. He, he doesn't say life's not fair, but he says, oh, you want justice, do you? You want justice? What would justice be for God to truly bring justice for our sin? You see, we don't like to see injustice when it comes to us. Like the man who had his large debt forgiven, but then when he goes to collect a smaller debt owed to him, and he has no mercy on the one who owes him money. The sinner side of us doesn't like justice when we commit sin, but somehow we're able to remember every little injustice against us. Our sinful flesh doesn't like justice because deep down we know if God were to bring true justice, we would be on the losing end. We must remember in this life, even as Christians, we have a sinful flesh. We have a side of us that likes to sin. Like a spoiled child, we have a side of us that thinks the world revolves around us but we still need to hear God's law. We still need to hear God's law and justice to show us our sins. We need God's law to humble us. Did you hear what Jesus said today? I have not come to abolish the law. There is a real danger that you will shipwreck your faith, as St. Paul says it. There is a real danger that you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is not one who's into empty threats. He is not a politician only looking to tell you what you want to hear, like the devil. The devil wants you to believe everyone goes to heaven. But that's not true. Jesus isn't one who's interested in empty threats because then that would mean his sacrifice on the cross was pointless. If there was no threat of hell and justice for sin, then Jesus doesn't need to die. Plain and simple. The Son of God, the author of life, wouldn't need to suffer and die if our sins weren't so damning. There would be no need for teaching 
on what a God-pleasing life looks like if there was not the threat of hell. Because you see, Jesus isn't a parent or teacher who's full of empty threats. Jesus isn't interested in empty threats because he has come to live a life of perfect obedience to his Father. Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Jesus has shown us and he teaches us how to walk in his law and his ways. He he continues, he says, but whoever does the law and teaches it will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, of course, is called great in the kingdom of heaven, and it's shown this by his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of God. And then what does Jesus do with his greatness? Does he make it some unobtainable goal? Well, it is. (laughs) We know what we deserve. But what does Jesus do with his greatness? He gives it to us. He pours it upon you in baptism. He feeds it into your mouth in the sacrament of the altar. He doesn't give you a threat, which is conditional, but he gives you a promise of the gospel. Because of what he has done on the cross, and therein justice was completed. There are no empty threats with God unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. There is the real threat. God doesn't just turn a blind eye to sin. Justice must be done. Justice is conditional. It depends on the crime. Yet the promise of the gospel The promise of God's mercy and forgiveness is unconditional. To see a clue of this, look how Jesus speaks in our gospel at the very beginning. Look how Jesus describes you. He says, you are the light of the world. Jesus says, you are the light are the salt. Jesus declares us righteous. This is what's so beautiful about the hymn we just sang, thy strong word. What does thy strong word do? It bespeaks us righteous. Jesus declares us righteous. Justice is accomplished by Jesus dying on the cross for the sins of the world. He was pierced for our transgressions. By his stripes, we are healed. Justice was carried out. But you see, it was a strange justice, a justice of self-sacrifice, a justice that we would never accomplish for anyone else, let alone ourselves, for who would give their life for their enemies? But while we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Justice being completed can only be received by faith. Being made right with God is a gift. Being righteous is a verdict announced by God himself when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand, God saying, justice has been done. 
Being righteous before God is only by faith because it requires one to believe that Jesus is true God and that when he died, he died for you. St. Paul says it like this. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. St. Paul doesn't come proclaiming a logical puzzle that needs to be figured out. Righteousness is not something that we do, but it is something that God proclaims on you. He gives to you by his verdict. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Our righteousness before God is not something we earn. Who could earn it? Who could tilt the balances when weighed against their sins? Righteousness before God is a gift. He who knew no sin became our sin so that we would be the righteousness of God. God declares you righteous because justice has been carried out on the cross. God declares you righteous because Jesus took the punishment for your sins. We call this penal substitution, penal coming from penalty. Jesus received your death. But you see, he doesn't force you to love him. He invites you to believe that justice has been accomplished for you before God. He shows us our sin by his law. He's not full of empty threats. But God shows us how he has done all things perfectly. He teaches us that Jesus is the one who is our righteousness continually and that Jesus teaches us now what a God-pleasing life looks like. So in this text is that wrestling that we as Christians do, that of justice and mercy. How do we uphold justice in the face of sin and wickedness and evil? But yet, how then do we also walk as those who have been given mercy that we don't deserve? Our righteousness before God exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, not because we're moral, not because we're more moral than the scribes and Pharisees, but because the righteousness of God is given as a gift. It is not earned nor deserved. He has established justice in Jesus, and he gives a righteousness which exceeds all other righteousness for his own sake. It is continually given to you in the daily drowning and raising, the daily dying to sin and trusting that we are alive in Christ. And yet there is still a justice that will come for those who refuse Jesus, who want to uphold justice by their own ways, those who refuse to change those who refuse the law of God and say, why would I worry about that? Those who refuse a life that is characterized by justice, yes. No empty threats, but a life characterized chiefly by mercy, even for the undeserving. In Jesus' eyes, he doesn't say, 
well, you better let your light shine or you better be salt. To Jesus, the righteousness that he gives is so complete and sure that he says, you are salt. You are light. So yes, we must insist in this life on justice because for ourselves, we are still fighting our sinful nature and we love God's law. Yet at the same time, we remember grace and forgiveness is ready for the repentant heart. We deserve this, we desire this for ourselves. This mercy for the least deserving. And then what we also desire is to express that mercy to others. All the while yet still upholding the law that Jesus speaks about. So daily we pray for wisdom. Daily we pray for guidance. Because where God has placed you in, in your vocations will determine how you are the light, how you are that salt, which rejoices in repentance. And may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.